today on The Breakdown. It's Tobias Rankemeyer against Scott Seaver. And Tobias Rankemeyer doesn't even have a second N in his last name. Did you know that? That's amazing. And you might be wondering, loyal listener, why is Grant doing the opening? Well, it's because we found ourselves sitting on the opposite sides of the table that we usually sit on. So we decided to switch it up, switch roles. You know, that makes sense, right? But is Scott Seaver going to switch roles from passive to aggressive in this hand? The answer is probably yes, or else why would I have said that? Unless it's because I'm a master of deception. Perhaps it's that as well. There's only one way to find out, and that's to keep listening for 45 minutes to one hour and 14 minutes, somewhere in that range. Today on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. How'd I do? I, I, pretty good. Pretty okay. good. Uh, it, it, it was pro- I think you revealed the, like, here's why I'm doing the opening. I think that's supposed to happen right now, and you're supposed to do the wacky opening and let it be itself. Ah. But, but then you, once you got past that, then you got back into sort of the wacky opening of it, and I think you did a nice job with that I piece. thought it was kind of funny to, yeah. to tell them why we did it right, right away. I, I understand, and that's not insane either. You okay. Know, but... But it did seem like you got into it a little too fast. And like, it's better for them to be a little more... Con- it's better for people to be confused. Mm. That was my whole thing going in. was like, I'm going to tell them why uh, I'm doing the opening. Yeah. It's because of the table. Oh, it's... That is literally is. the truth. Yeah. Like, we, were, we found ourselves sitting on opposite sides of the table because I came to Jonathan's apartment today to do the podcast as often we do. It, and for some reason, I just sat down where you always sit. Yeah. Right? And I, we don't know why. I never do that. Right. And for the last three years we've been doing it here... Yeah. And I, you, you always sit in this seat that I'm in right now, and I always sit in the seat you're in, always. There's four seats, by the way, but these are the two we're always in. And, uh, and then you were, I was like, so where are you going to sit after I was already all set up here? And you're like, well, are you staying there? And I was like, I guess I am. <laughs> and then somehow that turned into, well, I mean, oh, no, you said, well, I should just do the opening then. I was yeah. like, you should. And you're like, and now you have to make sure we don't go off the rails. And I was like, okay. Yeah, so here's the second thing. <laughs> if you hated that opening, here's the second thing that you're going to hate a lot about this <laughs> podcast, which is... Since we've switched roles here, Jonathan's going to have to keep us moving, call the action as I often do, make sure that we stay on point, and also do the nitrogen ad at some point. Oh, no! And no. While, while I t- try to derail him every turn. <laughs> I can't believe I have to do the nitrogen ad, too. It feels so unfair. Um, so I predict chaos. Yes. And um, it may be the end of the podcast, you know, when all is said and done. But... It'll be a fun way to die. It'll be a fun way to go down. Because somehow by accident, you're just going to throw out your most controversial political takes that get you canceled. That's how they say no, the podcast. No, no, It's going to be more like you're going to try and... You're going to be in the weird dual role, the Harvey Dent of it all, if you will, right? Mm, you're yes. going to be like, I'm the, I'm the DA who's got to stop crime. You're like, but I'm also Two-Face. I'm going <laughs> to kill everyone. Because yeah. no one else is filling those roles, you know? So you have to fill both, like... I'm not going to do a good job with the stuff I'm supposed to do, but you'll be able to derail me. You'll, you'll be able to do that well. Derailing is easy. Yeah, exactly. It, that's why I always do it. It's great. <laughs> it's a blast. You're the joker, right? But, um, but actually having... You have, you have an agenda on this side of things. You know, you're the... You know, one of them is art and one of them is science, and I'm not ready for the science. <laughs> I can only do the art, man. I think, I think you'll do just fine. Well... You're a seasoned podcaster. You can I handle am. it. I've been podcasting... Even before we started, and we've been doing this for at least seven years, maybe eight now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I was doing a fair amount of podcasting on relatively... I mean, not, not well, though, obviously. I mean, not like this, but relatively Without well. Grant Dennison, you yeah. were like a little tiny boy. I would always do the openings, <laughs> and I'd be like, it's the, po- it's the football podcast with Jonathan Levy, you know, and like the big pause, because I didn't know what I was missing until you showed up, Grant. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> What I'm saying is you complete me. Let's not do Jerry Maguire today. Okay. We can do other 90s rom-coms. With, with Tom Cruise? Does he have other 90s rom-coms? I don't know. can't think of any other. Cocktail. Does Cocktail? It's not a rom-com. No. The no. Firm. Is the... <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise. You know, um, nah, forget it. Let's no, go for it. it. It's something I already, we talked to. I just realized. I are you, are you already in your head because you said, I'll forget? No, like, oh, no, no, I got to no. keep this moving. I, no, 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 it's my job to get us on the hand. <laughs> no, it's, it's because um, I realized that what I'm about to say to you is something I t- said to you two days ago. And so like, I was going to say like, did you know this? But it turns out you do. But the audience doesn't. Now I have to say it. Now you have to say it because they're going to be it. so curious. Yeah. So 
So those of you who know who Tom Cruise <laughs> you know who Tom Cruise is. <laughs> okay, let me start again. Okay, back up, back up, back up. Uh, You're the guy who's in control. <laughs> You're in control of this podcast. So there was a movie in the 80s called Cocoon. Yes. Um, one of the stars of Cocoon was Wilford Brimley. He's the guy who's been selling Quaker Oats until he died. Like a he's year the, ago. He's the old dude who's like, Quaker Oats, they're what's right to eat. You know, and uh, he's you know, a much-loved uh, American actor. More recently known for diabetes commercials. Diabetes. Or you say diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, was, of course, in The Natural as, as one of the, I think, the manager and was great in that role. Seems um, right for him. Yep. He's like always like the old, angry guy, basically. Yeah. Like, and, and Cocoon is a wonderful he story. He looks like a walrus. Cocoon is a great movie about um, an old folks' home, and he's one of the old folks. And they like get a aliens come down, and they get this youthful invigoration. And now they're they're like they're twenty two again, and it's 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 fun and funny, and and also touching and moving. Steve Gutenberg, etc. Anyway, to Steve Gutenberg. By the way, <sighs> just know, to derail you a little bit, the, you know, they made like eight police academies. I think that was part of the problem. And everybody's like, oh, he's doing police academy six. He hasn't said he hasn't said no to that. I guess he's not good enough for three men and a little baby three. He tried to, to break into a few other things, but nothing really ever worked out for him. Right? He like, was in uh, City Slickers. Is no, that right? No, he was not. No, he wasn't. He played like a tough guy in something. Wasn't he an entourage? I think he was an entourage as Steve Gutenberg. He just. OK, I'm just going to pull the bandit off. He wasn't that talented, you okay. know? So it was like there was, he got his, he, he was in a few big hits, and then he got to be in a bunch more stuff, and then everyone's like, oh, we can't. Oh, it's just Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. do stuff with Steve Gutenberg. Uh, and that's, I think that's what happened. And All there's right. a lot of guys. Back to Wilford Brimley. Right. So Wilford Brimley, um, when he made Cocoon as the old guy in the elderly, in the old folks' home, he was the same age as Tom Cruise was when Tom Cruise made the last Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. So that's crazy. If you, <laughs> if you go look at a picture of Cocoon and the cast of Cocoon and Wilford Brimley, he looks like a very old, he looks like my grandfather, who's currently dead. But still, looks like my grandfather. Oh, I mean, Wilford Brimley's dead too, now that I think about yeah. it. They probably do look pretty similar. Wow, dark. I mean, I'm running the show here. It's hard to keep, keep my hands on all the reins, man. Yeah, you're, you're already slipping away. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so anyway, that's, that's, so that's a story I've already told you, but now everyone else got to hear it too. It's an interesting little factoid. Yeah. I, I do feel, though, that Wilford Brimley didn't age in a terrible way after that. Like, right. Like, he was a very old 51 or 52 or whatever. But, like, by the time he was 75, he kind of looked the same as when he was, like, 51 or 52. He just looked a little bit older. Yeah. And he had the same... Yeah, he was a little slower. He yeah. talked a little, a little slower, moved a little slower. That's not going to happen to me, to be clear. Of but. course not. <laughs> I, I've got it all worked out. You know, Wilford Brimley was also in Hard Target. No. Hard was he... Was, what was he in Hard Target? You know what Hard Target is? Yeah, Steven Seagal. No, Jean-Claude oh. Van Damme. Oh, John Woo. It's John Woo. Is that the one with Christian Slater also? No, that's Broken Arrow. Yeah. And, 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 uh, but that's a John Woo and, and Travolta, yeah. Yeah, but that's John Woo. I'm not entirely sure that, that uh, Hard Target is John Woo, but it wouldn't surprise me if it were. Almost sure that it is. Well, you can look it up. I'm gonna... Either way, Wilford Brimley plays like the down-home, backwoods Louisiana guy who ends up being Jean-Claude Van Damme's like one ally, and he speaks in this really thick... Bayou accent. That, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's what Wilford Brimley did in that movie. Um, other people in that movie, Lance Heinrichsen. Don't know who that is. He played Bishop in the Aliens, in the movie okay. Aliens, and then the, some of the subsequent sequels. Who's also in that show Millennium. Okay. As the title character. Great. Millennium. Uh, Hard Target, directed by John Woo. All right. Wilford Brimley, not one of the four actors named in the, on the Google summary of mm. the cast. Ouch. That's, that's rough. Ouch. No brims. The brims, man. Oatmeal forever. Diabetes forever. <laughs> Always Let's diabetes. Uh, uh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. How many good movies? Good. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I have not good. seen JCVD. I that know, movie, I know I that was well received. I saw it when it came out, and I enjoyed it at the time and thought it was at least good. I don't know if I'd still feel that way. But and it was at least if we're using air quotes for good, like, oh. like good in the way where it's like fun to get drunk and watch, and not, not, okay. not in like a hurricane heist way where that movie's actually yes. just terrible no matter what. Right. Um, I, I thought, obviously... Uh, Bloodsport is pretty good mm. for for that type of thing. Mm. You know, the classic tournament scenario movie with like the good guys and the bad yeah. guys and stuff. I, I've never seen that, but sure. Yeah, um, I don't know. I saw JCVD. That was that was fine. Uh, at least pretty good. Hard Target is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm sure I've referenced this on the podcast before. And John Woo doesn't make doesn't surprise me. It's terrible. John Woo. You do not like John Woo. Not not a good director in my mind. No. Yeah. Um, 
but he, uh, so they're going through the bayou for some reason that is necessary for Jean-Claude Van Damme because, you know, he's trying to stop the rich people who hunt homeless people, which is the premise of the movie. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And there's a snake and it comes down from a tree, definitely like a puppet or an animatronic snake or something. And Jean-Claude Van Damme grabs its neck and punches it in the face and the snake is knocked out and just lies there. Well, it would at least be stunned. But it, it's uh, if you watch it, it's it's, pretty it's funnier than I mean. Mm-hmm. Why would you even write that in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you put down John Woo, but here's two movies that he directed. Okay. Face Off and Mission Impossible Two. Oh God, <laughs> they're so bad. <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible Two was a, was bad the whole way. I think I'd rather bad. watch that than Face Off. Face Off is awful. That sounds like crazy talk to me. You remember the last time? Have you already forgotten? Is this no. what happened already? No, no, I know. I know that I used to say Face Off was good, but I hadn't seen it in a long time, and you told me it was terrible. And then I watched it, I think, with you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's really bad. But it's got, like, cool, fun performances. It's got sort of a fun idea of premise. I think, I think yeah, Nick Cage and Travolta actually do decent jobs at yeah. certain times in the movie. I think they do. I think Travolta does a better job than Cage, but I think they both do a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, with that whole like I'm the other guy now, and like yeah. they do, I think they, they pull that off to some degree. Uh, interestingly enough, Mission Impossible Two is, I guess they had been doing this already in the Mission Impossible movies with like the masks and stuff. So it's sort of the same thing where someone is pretending to be someone else. Yeah. But it's but from an audience perspective, we don't have that same experience, right? Yeah. We're not seeing Nick Cage play someone else. We're saying that the actor who normally plays that person play that person. Right. So a little less interesting. Um, but in that way, a similar movie. Big, big motorcycle fight scene in uh, yeah. the end of Mission Impossible 2. It's probably the only good part of it. Was it good? It introduced Tandy Newton to the world. Okay, great. That's something. She's in Westworld. Yeah. So, congratulations to All her. Right. Uh, anything else you want to do, you, Mr. Derailer? Derailing guy? I, see, I can see the pressure coming. <laughs> well, You're like, I don't know. What, that, what yeah, am I supposed what, to do now? When do we start? How do, how do we do this now? When do we start? See, do there's, I just let this not go? Just, see, I, I was a little insulted earlier when you said <laughs> this side of the table is art and that side is science. You know, there's a little bit of an art to actually kind of transitioning these things, right? It's not about the transition. It's about the timing of it. That's, I'm, no, I'm not concerned at all about transitioning. I just don't. Like, I'm aware. I'm like, I see the timing, but I'm like, do we just keep talking? Do I, like, how do you know when to start? That's you don't, more about that. You just know when you know, man. Exactly. Just, well, I'm asking because I, I haven't done this for years. I mean, if we feel like the non-poker discussion has run its course yeah. or the poker discussion that's unrelated to the hand has run its course, whatever yes. it is on the given day, Fair that's enough. when it's time to start. Okay, that's reasonable. So is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I feel like the Wilford Brimley thing is no longer with No, us. we're done with Wilford Brimley. Yeah. But is there, like, poker, anything else, or non-poker? No. Do you have anything you want to get off your chest is what I'm asking. So this is a different podcast now. <laughs> We've it's called changed. Grant Confesses. Confession with Grant Edison. Oh, and it's a confession. Levin. It's not like a rant when you oh, take it off your chest. You could confess that you have these feelings and it could be a rant. Go for it. I got nothing right now. Oh. But I wish I had something because that would be fun. Do you have any crazy food takes? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually. I think chocolate is terrible. Yeah. No, I don't. I love chocolate. You are, yeah. You're a bit of a chocolate person. I Yeah. I'm pretty into chocolate. It's yeah. really good. You like talking about it to the exclusion of everything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. And you know that. Okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, good job hosting so far. I'm doing a good job. I'm playing both roles. I feel like I'm Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a hand, Grant. Yeah, let's And it was suggested it. by Tyler Durden for, and he did it on Discord. Right. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Because you wrote this up. I didn't yeah. write this up. Uh, Discord is, is, of course, our big community, which you can come. And not only can you suggest hands there, although it's a great place to do it. We prefer you to do it there. Although, of course, you can do it on Twitter also. Uh, everyone comes. They show up. We talk about each hand has its own server. You can get in there and discuss the particulars of this hand. There's, by the time you hear this, it will be up on our Discord server. Um, but also, you can talk about your own hands. You can talk about sports. You can talk about... Movies, you can talk about food takes. We have all it separated out. Come on down and join us on Discord. Okay. So that was amazing. You did a decent job, except I did you, okay. There's a couple pro tips I have for you. Please. Um, one is when you're finding the suggester, it's good to take a cursory glance at the more recent shows that we've done, see if that was a suggester on a uh, recent show. It was. Give them a little too. extra props because Tyler Durden also suggested a hand that actually is going to come out. A couple of weeks from now, but we've done already. Mm. Um, so on a little streak here, and that's something that should be mentioned. Yes, that is a great pro tip, and one I absolutely was not 
that was nowhere near me. I was and, never going to get it. And that. another one, which is a little more near you, is just an oversight, is that you got to tell them how to get to Discord. Oh, yeah. It's like the link in the description yeah. in the show notes of the podcast. Yeah. Because right? now that I'm running the show, I can't say the description anymore. No, you can't say description. I have to say show notes. Yeah, of course. Because that's what you say. I and that's not, what all the podcasters say. I don't really say show notes. You're either. all dorks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not the listeners, the podcasters. So how do you get to Discord? You, you click on the invite in the show notes. There you go. Look at me. I'm flying. I'm like Icarus. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody loves that story and how it ended for Icarus. But for a while, he soared. And you know, in a way, maybe that was worth it, right? Do you you want to have like a long, mundane life or or fly brightly near the sun and and be a thing of legend that people use as an analogy for everything, even even incorrectly? I mean... Millennia. Exactly. How long ago was Icarus alive doing his... his I mean, it was never alive. It's a just, fable. <laughs> you don't know that. You just believe it. <laughs> but assuming he was alive, how long ago was it, right? Uh, 140,000 years. Yeah. So, like, wow. A lot of people, I think, would absolutely get their throat slit right now to, you know, have people still talk about him 140,000 years from now. Of course. <laughs> Not me, <laughs> to be clear. But I think a lot of people... What, what percentage of the listeners would be like, go ahead, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Slip my throat. <laughs> Kill me. Um, <laughs> test art. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's because he's all about his legacy. You know, why would you yeah. be a poet and a, a lawyer at the same time if you're not just about right. your legacy? Because the lawyers like deal with the, the technical stuff like your will. You got that covered. Yeah. And then the, the, uh, the poet is, yeah, you know, the, the art of it all. <laughs> sure. I don't know, man. I I, I'm going to go with 40% of the listeners would do wow, it. Wow, that's pretty high. That's I don't actually pretty believe Pretty high. I believe zero of the listeners would actually do that. I think at least one of the listeners would do it, and I don't think it's test art. No, I don't fair. think so. Because he needs to keep making suggestions, and he knows that. Yeah. He's needed. But He's on Mount Rushmore right now. You can't. I mean, yeah. I guess in death, especially young, unexpected death, people become idealized in a way that they were not actually in real life. I'm looking at you, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, that absolutely happens a lot. Uh, but, you know, what do they say? You, you can die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And, yeah, I've never uh, really been on board with that saying. No, it's, it's a little absurd. But there's something to the idea of dying the hero, though, right? Yeah. Like, if Kurt Cobain didn't die back then, he probably would just be a drugged out whatever. And I mean, he'd either be kind of washed up and druggy, yeah. or he'd just be like a boring middle-aged guy who like put it together, but it's like, okay, you're not making top, top yeah. of the charts music anymore. And, like, and people are like, fuck that guy. He'd just be another Billy Corgan. Look at you. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, but, you know, I would think it'd be pretty all right to be Billy Corgan right now, but I wonder if Billy Corgan feels that way. He's like, slip my throat. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> 140,000 years, I'm in. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to get on anyone's bad side. Who cares? I You're the host now. I you can care. get on anybody's bad side that you want. It's the other way around. You're the character. You're the color commentary. You're the guy who gets on people's bad sides. I'm the guy who reigns it in. Come on, man. Play your role. Grant sucks at this, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm trying to I give you a chance. I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying to just give you a chance. I can't do if it. If you want me to derail, I'll derail. I can't do it. No, no, feel free to derail. I don't care. It's fun. It's fun. Derail away. I, I know you're going to derail me harder during the nitrogen ad. That's don't like worry 100%. about that. I'll say this. That's already taken care of. Those of you who always fast forward through the nitrogen ad, and it's fine. You, you, you do you. This is the one to not fast forward through. If you're ever going to listen to a nitrogen ad, uh, this is the one. That's a lot of hype. We've, we've had a lot of nitrogen ads over the past year where you've said, wow, that was a good one. Oh, yeah, you but know? they never, but I never know that ahead of time, so I can't tell them. You don't know that ahead of time this time. You're going to try and derail me. It's gonna but be it's going to be contrived. It's it's gonna be, it's, there's too much leading up to it, whereas other times it's more natural. You know, we just, we just get into it. I didn't know you couldn't handle the pressure. I thought you were tougher than this. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. See, the host is not supposed to be mean to the other one. <laughs> no, I know, but I, you're not doing your job, so I have to do both. <laughs> I cannot help myself. I'm trying I? very hard not to do your job right now because, like, you almost start talking about the hand like eight minutes ago, and then you just let it go wherever yeah, it goes. Yeah, this is what I've learned. You know, it's okay. We're fine. We're fine. I'm keeping my eye on the time. Everything's good. Tyler Durden Four was the suggester, and you know what? Why don't we get into it, Grant? Please, let's let's learn all about this and the situation. Okay, well, so we're playing an Alpha Eight, which is, of course, a hundred thousand dollar buy-in. This is from uh, 2013, I believe. Let me let me call it up and make sure I'm right about that. Uh, yeah, it was from October 2013. So it's a 100K buy-in. Only four players get paid because only 20 people entered this thing. And this was back when the WPT was doing the Alpha 8s. Uh, 
they just did it for two seasons, and it was like mostly all the big name pros and like Bill Perkins. Yeah, and like sometimes one other guy like did Bill Perkins, Perkins play those? Yeah, he did. He okay. played. A, he played a bunch of these, if not all of them. Even uh, he brought it to Turks and Caicos, I think. No, it's not that one. He brought it, but to some wherever he's like was from or lived or something like that. He brought it to that country. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe he just vacationed that country. I'm not sure, but he brought it to that country too. But I don't think it was Turks and Caicos. Anyway. Um, but there were like eight people who showed up to that that event, so it was like kind of weird. They had a couple where where they did not get a good turnout, and I think that's why it didn't last very long. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would have lasted longer if they had good ratings, but people weren't really watching it either, is my guess. If it got good ratings, who cares? That's true. The rest of it. Um, but you know, I mean, didn't they have like Vince and Vince and whomever? First it was Vince and Olivier, and then it was Vince and Tony uh, Dunst. Yeah, and like. I mean, when you have Vince as one of the two guys, you're basically, like, just phoning it in. Yeah. Right? Like, you're not trying that hard. Like, come on. Well, I think they might have switched to Alina Jad at some point. Oh, it was Ali the first year. I think it was Vince and Tony the second year. Ah. Is what is, which is, now, Vince and Tony, of course, are the World Poker Tour. So, but still, it feels like, just, like, Vince is, like, I think it's maybe, like an inertia thing. I think maybe the name was a problem. Alpha 8? Yeah. Like, what the hell a, are you talking it makes about? No, it makes no sense. I'm sure it makes sense in the mind of the creator of yeah. the name. Like, it has some I deeper think, meaning. I think the 8 is, like, an infinity symbol in their mind, and Alpha's, like, the beginning, and, like, uh, but who, whatever. I mean, you gotta just be, like, WPT High Roller Series. That's yeah, better. that's way more interesting. Um, you probably get more players, honestly, too. Yeah. But they had 20 entries. By the way, these were um, rebuys, so I doubt there were 20 players. There were probably, like, 14 players. Yeah. We're down to three-handed. Here are the three players left, Grant. It's Tobias Rankemeyer, as we know, yep. as you mentioned him, Scott Seaver, and Philippe Grusom. <laughs> Philippe Grusom? Philip Grusom, yeah. yeah. Um, Philip Grusom is sort of the wild card of the three players, I would say. Had a lot of success during this era in poker. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like this is just the, edge, the end of his success, actually, right around now. Like, he was the, the other, the high roller players were just starting to figure him out a little bit more, and he was struggling <laughs> a little bit and, like, sort of spewing out. Oh, uh, yeah, he, he was very aggressive. He was very aggressive. But, you know, that can work. Um, here's the payout, so everyone knows where we're at. Uh, there's only three players left. Four players got paid, so uh, Igor Kurganov got his $376,000 and is out of here. Everyone's made $565,000 already. Second place is 815000 That sounds like pretty good. That's another quarter million. But first place is $1.38 million. So... You really have to be playing for the whole thing, especially if you're these guys playing these hundred k buy-ins, right? I mean, you got to you can't be stupid about it, but like, yeah, you have to be taking your swings here, right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, I just looked up Philip Grusom just to see what his career looked like, and yeah, he did have a lot more success back in this era. The like like 2014 is kind of the end of the big success. He had a yeah. couple seven figure scores back in that time, and since then it's been a lot of smaller scores, even in bigger buy-in tournaments. He does have 11 million in live earnings. I mean, that's good, but I doubt he's, you know, highly profitable. Highly profitable. Yeah, he, profitable at all in these, in these tournaments, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. What do you think about, like, with 100K with rebuys where there's, like, one fish? Like, what does it feel like to fire that second 100K? I know it's not your money mostly for the, for the most part. but I mean, I think it all depends on how much money you have in the setup, you know. Like, for a lot of these guys, it probably doesn't feel like anything. It probably feels like the first 100K. Like, who cares? Yeah. You know, if it's your money and, it's a, and money's a little tight, if you're Bryn Kenny and you just put up, you know, like, and this is, like, going to be another 20% of your net worth, obviously that isn't Bryn Kenny anymore, but it was at one point, uh, that probably feels pretty intense. And maybe yeah. you don't do it, but or maybe you talk yourself into it. But I think, like, Philip Grusom is a guy who absolutely in the Alpha 8 would rebuy, like, two and three times. Yeah. So I think it just didn't feel like anything to him. I think he's just like, yeah. Yeah, it's just whatever. like... This is the, my if style. You take a, if you take a step in to math land and expected value land. And you, you take a look around alpha eight was probably among the toughest fields. Yes. Um, like they didn't attract the whales the way they might've wanted to like the EPT high rollers do. And certainly the WSOP high rollers do Mm. where it's like, yeah, we're chopping up this money between 60% of the field because there's a ton of whales here. I mean, the alpha eight's a terrible idea. It's, it's one tournament in like a far off location, right? Where that doesn't usually hold, host poker tournaments. Yeah, and it's a hundred k buy-in. So like the only people who are going are very rich people who are already there or decided to do this as part of their vacation, which yeah. almost never happens. And then everyone else is just these these young pros who are all all know each other really well and essentially are just swapping, pushing money around the table. Yeah. So it's it's you can see why this didn't work out for lots of reasons, but but 
Still, it should have been compelling TV. Like, I think this is better TV than most, like, World Poker Tour stuff because it's better. Oh, yeah, the poker is better. I agree. It did make for, like, if you care about poker, it's compelling TV. And, in fact, this hand has the kind of play that you almost never see on the yes, World Poker Yes, it's, it's, I mean, it's tough to figure out why it happened. But these yeah. guys are super good, so we have to give it a shot. We have to. All right, well, let's get into it. So, okay. we're, so we're three-handed. Uh, the blinds are 8,000, 16,000. And Tobias Rankemeyer... With 290,000, so he's got like 18 blinds. He's on the button. He's got two black queens. He raises a 35,000. We cool with that? Good question. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figured you'd be fine. Uh, you're, you're overdoing the making sure that you, <laughs> you ask questions. <laughs> yeah, that, one, that one is about straight. I guess he could jam. Yeah, he could jam 18 bigs, but... It feels like fine to do. It feels this. like a terrible idea to, to jam eighteen bags here with yeah. queens on the button, especially against guys who are going to rejam against you, right? Yeah. Um, so unless you're always jamming, then you have to jam queens too. Okay. Uh, Scott Seavers in the big blind. He's got six hundred thousand, so he's got he covers Tobias significantly. Um, he's got ten nine off, ten of spades, nine of hearts, and he's going to defend. No problem with that either. It's hard to be upset about that. I right? can't be upset about that. Yeah. Uh, just for everyone to know, uh, Gruesome has the biggest stack at the table. Yeah, he's got... It, they, the problem the WPT Alpha 8 had was they did not show stack sizes. I mean, now, maybe that was still common in 2013. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't know, but When did cares? the EPT start showing stack sizes? I feel like by now they were doing it, but Probably. I could be wrong. Either way, we don't get to the visual digitally, but we, we, we think we counted. Yeah. And we think Gruesome has something like 850 to 900K. Yeah, so he's the clear chip leader yeah. anyway. Um, and while Tobias is the, I mean, 18 blinds, Seaver's sort of sitting there like, well, I could make a quarter of a million dollars a lot just by like not doing something wildly stupid. You yes. Know? But 18 blinds with, in Tobias's hand, though, is still enough for him to like. He's really... also not going to throw it away the way a of lot course. of other high rollers that's, will. That's what I mean. Thinking about the ace's hand against Scott Seaver, which oh. happened after this in the 2015 one drop, I believe. Mm. But I mean, I mean we're, that was, we're, that was, that was, that's absurd. problematic the other way. He's yeah. not going to, I mean, if he's, Going to play aces that here. Anyway, let's not get into that. Yeah, we don't need to get that's into that. That's a great hand in its own right, but not for the same reasons as this. Right. Um, that's where Tobias makes a terrible fold. But anyway, so once again, Tobias has black queens on the button. Seaver defends with 10-9 off. The pot is 84,000, and the flop is jack of diamonds, seven of clubs, four of clubs. So gut shot for Seaver in the big blind, and Tobias has the over pair with the queen of clubs in his hand. Yes. Seaver checks. Tobias, what do you want Tobias to do here? I want him to bet. Of course you want him to bet. How could he not bet? He's got a, he's got, now he's got 16 blinds. He would, he would love to get check jammed on or effectively check jammed on. Yes. Actually, because a lot of the hands, he could get check jammed on by probably a jack alone could decide to check jam on him. Maybe. They're a little deep for that at this point, SPR-wise, but it's, it's, it would be fine. A good jack, anyway, could do it. Maybe, I'm not saying it should, but it could. I don't think it would. Um, the reason why it would do it is because it thinks that th- this is a draw and a heavy board, and like a lot of draws are going to be jammed. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't expect it for the most part. I mostly agree with you. You don't love having the queen of clubs in your hand if you get jammed on. It reduces a lot of Seaver's bluff combos. Yeah, but what do we really? I mean, so I mean, what are we beat by here? Really, it's just Jack seven and seven four suited. Yeah, maybe seven four off. Jack four suited, perhaps. Jack four suited, but there's only two combos of it. We're not being beat by much, and all those things we have, we have some reasonable outs against. No, I mean I would be happy to call. Of course, if, I'm saying the queen of clubs might not be such a bad card. Yeah, yeah. we may actually block uh, clubs yeah. in a good way. Like we get it in against club draws, and we have a club in our hand. Yeah, um, and then redraws against those clubs too if a club comes on the turn. Anyway, of course Tobias bets. He bets thirty-seven thousand on this board. What do you think about the sizing? I think it's fine. It's a relatively wet board, 37 into 84. Um, I, you could go smaller based on stack depth and the way tournaments typically play out in the end stages. Uh, if you're trying to be balanced and generate fold equity without risking that much of your stack as a general principle. But you have to balance that against how many times are you really going to be in a spot three-handed for 100K? I mean, even if you're Tobias Rankemeyer, it's not that many times in your life. Mm-hmm. It might be more pragmatic to do a little bit more exploit and a little bit less balance in spots like this. This is also a board that isn't necessarily his, right? Comparative. Like, I don't know if it's Scott's, but it's not like, it's not like a king high it's board. It's maybe neutral. Yeah. So, so that also, and it's, it's got two, dime, sorry, two clubs on it also. So sizing it up a little bit, I think, makes some level of sense. Yeah. Instead of betting 25K here, like, you know, sometimes we'll see people do. Yeah. I mean, if you want to 
if you want to get jammed on by a jack, maybe size it up even more than this. Like maybe mm. maybe that's a way to actually get jammed on by a jack. Oh, so a jack is like, huh? SPR is going to be a little different if I if Tobias makes it fifty k, you know, or sixty k. What's a jack hoping is going to happen though if, if he bets fifty or sixty k? Then then the fold equity is more valuable um, that the jack has because the pot is bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I guess we have, I assume when we're doing that with the jack, we don't have an overcard with the jack, right? Because, because we we would not want to like because we want to be worried about overcards coming exactly. in order to, in we order have, to justify the play. We have to less we have less to protect against. But then it feels like aren't we getting snapped off by all better jacks? And yeah, I would worry. Like sure, two tens may feel like they have to call us here. Maybe I don't know if they do or not. Honestly, but they might. But like I'd be worried about this. This goes. I don't know I was originally saying maybe a jack is going to check Jim, but like, yeah, I don't. It does. It does seem like. Tough to get value. Right. I mean, I just think, I, I still think a jack is unlikely to check jam, yeah. but I think it's more likely if Tobias had bet bigger. Okay. That's all. Yeah. I'm but not, yeah, I'm not advocating fair. for a bigger bet, actually. I'm just saying that's one, one potential benefit of it. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's not crazy. Um, and, you know, you've, the thing that's weird is, so Seaver's got a gut shot here. And what do you want to do with Scott? Like, we actually could jam here with our gut shot. I want to fold. We could also fold. I mean, Tobias, he started with what? He started with 290. So yep. now he's down to, after this bet, he's down to something like 220. Yep. 218. Uh, yeah. So. He's got like 15 blocks. So if Seaver calls, which, spoiler alert, he's going to. He's going to call. The pot's going to be 158K. And Tobias has like 130% pot remaining, which feels like. Not ideal for a gut shot with a board that has two clubs on. I mean, maybe Seaver's planning on repping all clubs anyway, but why would you think that Tobias doesn't have clubs? Yeah, There's so nothing to indicate that. Tobias is really closer to more like 150% of pot, but still, okay. it's the same problem. Yeah. It's the same problem. Uh, it's really odd to me that he decides to check call here because Tobias is so short. Tobias if, is deeper. It's fine. If Tobias even had 60K more, it makes a lot more sense, I think. It's really strange with Tobias having 16 blinds yeah. to check call here. Mathematically, can we just like do it for a second? There's a hundred and what, like 20k in the pot. Yep. Let's assume we can win all of Tobias's stack from here on out. He's got another what? We said 220. So it's like 340. It's 37 to win 340. We're actually not getting the right price to hit our gutter. Yeah. So we so a nine or a ten has to be good at least some of the time. Which of course it is. It is, but we're not going to know if it is. It's going to be hard. To, we're never going to get full value right. with that. But so there needs to be another factor, such as I'm going to rep clubs too, which I don't know if that makes that much sense. Other than I want to do that, because you don't have any reason to do it other than you yeah. want to, right? Like there's nothing that's happened in the hand to indicate that that Tobias doesn't have clubs. Not yet. I mean, I guess part of what we're doing as Seaver, the idea is if it goes check check on the turn, we're going to bluff the river a lot, right? If we have any, if we don't have anything, we're just yeah. gonna, we're definitely planning on doing that and. You got to figure Tobias is going to check back the turn a lot, like a lot of turn cards, right? Not not with Tobias's actual hand here of queens, but like on, what is it, Jack seven four? A deuce comes off, it goes check check like so often, right? Because Tobias misses. So it's just the the old plan of I hope he checks the turn so I can bluff the river, yeah. or maybe I get lucky and get there. Yes, I think that's that's got to be part of it. Otherwise, how can you ever justify it? I really think folding is fine here. I do too. Um, I think I like folding and and I like raising better than calling. I think. So it's weird that Scott decides to call. Yeah, I mean... When he's Scott. I mean, raising's he's a little me. precarious. What are we raising to, 95, 100K? I mean, we're raising because we, have, we feel like we don't have great equity in, in the pot, and we're, willing to, we're happy to fold to a jam, you know? Yeah. Like, we're like, whatever. Are we're we going to put any more chips in. What if we get called? Are we shutting down on the turn? Um, I think we're not shutting... We're shutting down in some turns. Like, we're probably jamming any... Or, or betting any club. It would be a jam, I think, if yeah. we made it 100K or more. You're right. You're right. It definitely would be, because freaking Tobias yeah. is so short. Um, I think we'd have to jam any any club. And, of course, if the straight comes in, we can jam. Or we can check. We get to do whatever we want with that. What do we do if we... I get a 9 or 10, we check? And then call? Huh. Like, that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. Do we jam? Now we're trying to get a jack to fold? I think we jam a 9 or a 10 for... For charging the clubs that didn't jam on the flop somehow, okay. but they probably would just three they bet jam just anyway. Jam. I think it's just I think it's just easier to jam with that hand. Like you have, yeah, you can think of it as like a, a bigger draw. You yeah, know, it has a semi bluff additional outs beyond just the gut shot because you have the ten too. You do set yourself up in this really weird game theory disaster spot though, where it's like jacks have to call and worse hands than jacks probably have to fold, and we have a slightly worse hand than a jack. It's weird. I think I like I think I like calling better than raising actually on the flop, but I, I prefer I prefer folding overall of 
those options. It seems like a very natural fold. Yeah. It seems like we just didn't flop well enough, and we're just not, the implied odds just aren't there. Yeah. And yet, Seaver calls. So, Seaver's probably thinking about stuff like minimum defense frequency here, right? Like, he just thinks if he folds his hand, he's just folding too many that hands. That can't be right on this board, though. Yeah, he's probably got a lot of calls on this board. Yeah. Well, if, if you get rid of all the gut shots, so that does knock out a bunch of them, right? Yeah. That really does. But five, six is obviously around clubs. Clubs. Any and jack, pairs. any seven, any four. Yeah, that's it. That's a lot. That is a fair amount. It's true. Huh. It's surprising to me that he calls. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it was 2013. Maybe he wouldn't call anymore, or maybe he would. I don't know if he'd still call. Who knows? Maybe he didn't realize that Tobias was as short as he was. You think Seems unlikely. It's Scott freaking Seaver. Yeah, of course. He, and, it's right, and Tobias is right there. And they're three-handed yeah. for 100K. He knows his stack. Of course he does. Yeah. Of course he does. Yeah, and if he didn't, he probably, he probably asks yeah. every time because he's Scott Seaver. He's not an idiot. Speaking of Scott Seaver not being an idiot, let's play a little What's Their Hand In? Okay. Bet you weren't expecting that. I, oh, you threw me for a loop. Yep. I'm the freaking agent of chaos, baby. So Scott Seaver... What's his hand in? Grant's always right, by the way. Grant always gets this stuff. He's amazing. 17.8 million. No, not 17.8. Not terribly off, but it's 24. Okay. So usually when you're off, you're off by like a million somehow on these. You'd say, you would have said 22.7. I mean, obviously, I've just been running good. Don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> okay, Tobias Rankemeyer. Interesting one. He's going to finish in the top three of this yeah. event. I'll tell you that. You, uh, 17.8. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. So you just picked the same <laughs> thing. No, 11. Oh, wow. So much less. His, what's his best live cash? It's going to freak you out. Is it only like 600K or something? It's $2 million. Oh, okay. He won $2 million one time, which is weird then for him to only have 11 total and yeah. be the guy who's been in all these things for so long. So is Tobias overrated? Is that what we're saying? That is what it's starting to feel like. Well, I think it's that he's playing up against, like, he's always playing all the high rollers, and maybe he can't really hang with those guys. Maybe. Well enough, you know. Of course he can hang with them, but, like, he's a losing player in that, as a bunch of those really good players are going to be, right? Like, Ike Haxon may be a losing player in that field. I don't think Ike Haxon is a losing player. I mean, half the field, at least, is a losing player, right? So, like, maybe there's a few whales, but everyone else, like, 40% of the really good players are losing players in that field, at least. Probably. So, I don't know. Like, Jason Mercier's in that field. Is he a losing player? Yes. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That made it easier. Philip Grusom? Now? <laughs> I mean, in 20, 2013. Hard to, hard to say. Hard to say. So, Tobias, it's hard to say, too. But I would, my guess is he was a losing player. Maybe so. He did that incredible yes. play with Queens. I don't even remember what happened. It was a, uh, his... The other guy got a, had like made a straight on the river or something like that. But there was also a flush came in, and he... He, like, led into Tobias. Tobias had, Tobias had a set of run. queens, right? Uh, I don't know if he had a set or not, but he, he raised all in clearly as a bluff because Tobias blocked the nuts. So, so I don't think he had a set. I think he blocked, like, queen jack uh, for, the, uh, for the straight or king queen for the straight or something like that. I remember doing that hand back in, like, the, it was, like, the first year we did the breakdown, so it's been a while. It was called You Can't Have the Nuts or something ah. like that. And, and uh, one of our listeners, I won't say who, Digital Dan, uh, like, took that and, like, started to play... Much more. Anytime he had a nut blocker, he would oh, play yeah. super aggressively on the river, and he was like, I remember there was a while he'd come up to me and just be like, I know, this is incredible. <laughs> I just always went on the river now because like, if I block the nuts, I just like raise. Yeah. And they just always fold. It felt like a really cool concept back in 2014. Yeah, it really did. Now everybody knows it. Everyone thinks about it. Jimmy now. and Joe down the street are talking about blocking the nuts over there. Yeah, they talk about blocking the nuts, and they talk about doing it on Nitrogen Sports Poker, Grant. There you go. Because that's the ad. It's That's it. ad time, baby. We did it. <laughs> All right. So the turn. <laughs> the look I just got from Grant. He's like, you're kidding, right? You can't let... I'm not 100% sure you're kidding. I mean, you, you might just force my hand. I can see you doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see that, too. But let's, let's try and play the roles we've been assigned. Um, Nitrogen Sports is our sponsor, and they're wonderful. They've been our sponsor for... Something like five years. Oh, I got a question for you. My name is Jonathan Levy. <laughs> what do you think about an obscure movie from 1994 instead of Nitrogen Sports? See, there's not a, your heart isn't in it. My heart's in you, it. You want the ad to happen. That's your problem. You're supposed to not want the ad I to happen. I hate the ad. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's more like it. Yeah. Um, well, Nitrogen Sports could tell you about obscure movies. If oh, you yeah? Know. yeah they can got I a tell me the plot of the movie Her? Because here it is. <laughs> Joakim Phoenix, Joakim, Joakim is the basketball player, Joakim yep. Noah, is very lonely. So yes. he makes friends with a robot who then he becomes intimate with. And then things happen that are emotional. And everybody's depressed. Nitrogen Sports. <laughs> 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 she's not a robot. She's an AI. Okay, she's she just exists in cyber. She's algorithmic. Yeah, she's not. There's no physical manifestation. Okay, she's a series of numbers. Yeah, just like you and I, Jonathan. Oh, you got me on that. Just and in like, a way, that's true because to the listener, we are simply yes. audio files, which are series of numbers. So, you know, so is the random number generator on Nitrogen Sports Poker. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just a string of series, uh, a string of letters and numbers, probably <laughs> just like. Uh, it's like the Bitcoin code. I don't know. So anyway, Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Nitrogen Sports. They, uh, they have our monthly Poker Guys tournament, which, by the way, they've just changed up again. So um, they still cap it, I believe, at 300 players. What percentage of people do you think can tell the difference between a crocodile and an alligator? Now you're really, yeah, you're yeah. really <laughs> putting on the shoes. Now you're wearing that jacket. Yeah. Uh, I would say very few. Um, one of them's got like a longer snout than the yeah, other Yeah, the one. crocodile, obviously. See, I didn't even know which was Alligator's which. more of like a little chubby guy. Oh, yeah? And the crocodile is more like a snarly, big, long, angry thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So how are you enjoying this? The thing it's on fun. The side? It's good. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. It's just not your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so uh, what we say? Oh, yeah, the Poker Guys tournament. So here's, how, here's the change they've just implemented. And a lot of people have been asking for this, actually. They finally have rebuys and add-ons. Yeah, it's cool. So actually, the prize pool might be bigger. That's kind of cool. Uh, but also, it means that, yeah, if you're, if you're out for some unlucky reason, you aren't just And screwed. it's not like it's super expensive to play or anything. Oh, my God, it's so cheap. It's a great tournament. It's a fabulous tournament. It's legendary among the poker people of the world. Tell them how to access it. Well, let me tell you how to do that, people. In the show Wilford notes. Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is the one podcast, you know, every six months that the Nitrogen guys listen to. Yeah. And they're like, just to make sure they're still doing the ad, because, you know, yeah. we have to, like, do due diligence and check. And this is the one they hear. Yeah. And they're like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is it Jonathan ruining everything? Right. I expect Jonathan <laughs> to ruin things, not Grant. Um. Right, so uh, the way you access Nitrogen Sports is if you look in the show notes. Of course, we have a link right there, and that's you can sign up right through that link. In fact, do. That way you get access to this tournament. Otherwise, you won't get access. Otherwise, you won't even see it. Well said. Yeah, thank you. Um, by the way, they have other things, too. They've got sports betting. They've got casino games. They have lots of fun. If you have signed up through our link, you get access to some other cool stuff along the way. We have NFL Survivor Pool. Sometimes we do NFL Fantasy stuff there. They throw in extra money when they do it. We've done March Madness before as well. They're like, here's some free money, everyone. They like to give away money. Yeah. So Nitrogen Sports. They're like the Pope in his Mobile. Doesn't he toss money out of that thing? That is exactly what he does. Yeah. And they are just like that. Nitrogen Sports, we're like the Pope. Excellent. In the Mobile, <laughs> Tossing yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say something now. I want Please. to step outside of, of our... All right. Of so our, we're going to... We're gonna, you know, pantomime walking out the door, close yeah. the door to just for a moment to crazy podcast land where we're switching roles and being different. Right. I want to, I want to do a meta comment on it. Okay. Um, not as fun to do the ad on this side of it. Oh, oh really? Much less fun. Is that so? I can't believe you've been, you've, you've just done it for all these years. I, you're, I you're was a probably trooper. a little harsher on you than you are on average. Yeah, for me. no, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But still you're a trooper. Thank you. You're a good man. All right. Let's go back in. Okay, back in the door. All right. So uh, here's the situation in case you've forgotten. Uh, Tobias Rankemeyer on the button with two black queens. Skeever. The Skeevermeister. Scott Skeever's got 9-10 off. In the big blind, the flop was, of course, Jack 7-4 with two clubs. And uh, we just had a bet and a call. The pot is 158000 Here comes the turn. It is an interesting one, Grant. It's the 10 of hearts. What does that mean? It means that Scott Seaver has just made a pair of tens to go along with his gut shot. Five more outs. This call suddenly looks a lot better. Yeah, because the call, <laughs> the quality of the call also relates to what happens in the future. I mean, depending on who you talk to. Sure. Maybe, maybe Scott is in a super position with time. And so part of him is oh, ahead of I wasn't the, thinking of it from a quantum standpoint. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Poker. Yeah, that's that's poker analysis for you these days. All right, Carl Sagan. Why did you uh, why did you raise there? 
well, in the superposition with the gravity of the cosmos. Yeah, haven't you seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, you <laughs> dolt? <laughs> hey, you know, the third one is Quantum Mania. You knew that, right? I didn't. Why would I know that? Because you're re- you're referencing Ant Man and the Wasp. Why we're talking about quantum stuff? Yeah, because I like that's a movie that's already happened. I'm not like on the Marvel forums four hours a night at, from midnight to four a.m. reading up on the name Quantum Mania. I'm not Paul, always Paul on Rudd, those forums. Give me the exact amount of screen time Paul Rudd's gonna have. I bet you know it. It's 47 minutes. Of course it is. No, it's it's never that long. It's never that long. It just feels like it's that long <laughs> because of his gravitas. Because he's so interminable. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love Paul Rudd. Of course. And he is actually a delight as Ant-Man. He's a delight as everything. Yeah. Can you name the, the character's name in Ant-Man that he plays? Of course you cannot. It's some sort of American name. Can you name either the first or the last name? Of course you can't. Can you um, name the... I know the Pym Particle. That is... Uh, Pym is the name of the Michael Douglas' yeah, character. Yeah. Can you name the first name of uh, Evangeline Lilly's character? Of course not. Um, Kate. Hope. No, it's Kate. Okay. From Lost. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That is, that is true in some ways. Can you name Michelle Pfeiffer's character's first name? Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, cool. As you said, you're not on the, those forums the no. way I am. No. Discord, man. It's amazing. So, what's, it, what's it called? Quantum... Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania? Yeah. How could that not be fun? I mean, those movies are fun. Those <laughs> movies are pretty good. Come I on. got bored. The second one, especially. Nah, those movies are fun. The ant is playing the, the drums. Oh, the ant's playing it's the hysterical. drums. It's great if you're seven. Or 70. But not if you're <laughs> any age in between. So I love it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the turn was the Ten of Hearts. Yeah. Giving Seaver a pair of tens to go along with his gut shot. Tobias still has the overpair. Here we go. Seaver's going to check. Seems reasonable to me. What else is he going to do, right? Okay, you're Tobias. What do you want to do here? We are pretty short. We've got the overpair. Bousquet really wants him to bet. Olivier Bousquet is oh, doing does. the analysis, and i watching this hand. Bousquet really wants him to bet. But, yeah. And I get that with this stack depth. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine to just be like, okay, let's get it in. See, yeah. didn't check raise the flop. He doesn't have too many flopped monsters. It's not the best card, obviously. It's not an ideal card. 8-9 sure. gets there. Jack-10 gets there. 7-10 gets there. Those are all hands that feel like really common to be in, in yeah. Scott's hand. Yep. Um, but that's okay. I think we're still up against enough stuff that we can get value from any one pair jack, which of which Scott has a ton of based on having just called preflop and check called the flop. One pair of sevens might fold now. That's a bit of an issue. Yeah. But we should be trying to maximize value. If we think eight nine gets there, that means eight nine is here. That means all nine ten and eight ten are here though, and they yes. just made a pair. That's good. And if you think I guess I want to challenge this a little bit, what you just said. No. Um there are very few cards then that we would be we feel really good about then if we're Tobias, right? Like this ten, admittedly, those things get there. But like a deuce and a three, okay, I'll give you that. That aren't clubs. Yeah. And almost every other card except a queen is some version of getting there, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, king, jack, ace, jack. Not, or, or sorry, king or an ace isn't that scary. I Maybe guess. it's illusory, but it feels like the ten is a bit more coordinated with the potential hands and Seavers range. Maybe that's not the case due to the. Situation where he just called out the big blind preflop and he has a lot of combos of yeah. kind of random hands too. That, that, that's my my immediate take. I mean, certainly as Tobias, we have to think like sometimes we get jammed down. We have to call and he has jack ten or seven ten or eight nine. Of course, like we know this, right? Um, but there's yeah, like you said, there's just so many other jacks and maybe you know if Scott can have gut shots here, I guess he can have some clubs also. Now we've got the queen of clubs, we block it a little bit, but still, yeah, like we can get jammed down by some draws, yeah. And I guess we just can't worry about it too much. Like, we're three-handed. We're the short stack. We only have 16 blinds. I like the idea of betting for sure. So do you much, want him to bet? Yeah, I think I, I think I like betting too. How much do you want to bet? There's 158K in the pot. Uh, I mean, I think we're supposed to size it up a bit, right? Yeah, I, I don't think a jack can fold for any amount, right? I don't see how a jack could ever fold for can any we, amount. Can we jam and get called by a jack, I think, is where we should start this conversation. Well, there's, we have about 220K. Yeah. 218 is what we have. There's 158 in there. If we jam, I think a jack probably has to call us, unless Seaver knows that we are really careful around these big money jumps. Yeah. And knowing what we know about Tobias, now this is the million-dollar one drop, which is bigger stuff. And that also happened after this. Yes, so. but they're friends, yeah. for sure. Um, Scott may know that. Scott may not. I don't think we really want to jam. I worry that we're gonna, we might actually fold out some of the jacks. Not I, think, I think so. 
We can bet big enough. We like we can bet. I want to bet like you know sixty to seventy percent of the pot, something like that. That's my initial, probably sixty five percent of the pot. Yeah, I agree. I want to make sure that we get that value now from a jack, while not scaring the jack away, because there are a lot of cards in the river where a jack might then fold if that are good cards for us. You know that, or at least reasonable cards. Uh, also, cards that we might not feel comfortable betting again. So. If we get all of our value now, we don't have to worry about not being able to get more on the river. Yeah. I don't think this should be about setting up a good size for a river jam because our hand isn't really strong enough to be thinking about that way. Right. And, you know, we are going to have some bluffs here still, I think. You know, once in a while, especially when the 10 comes. Like, that 10 can interact with, with what we have. Yeah. We can have, we can have things that that's good for. Um, so betting big here, we, we can bet big and fold with some of our range, just not this part of our range, right? We're just never folding this yeah. part of our range. This is too strong. Mm-hmm. So Tobias does want to bet, just like Olivier, just like you, just like me, but he does not want to bet at the size. We, we want to bet something like 90 to 100, okay, mm-hmm. because there's 158 in there, right, if we're saying 65%. Tobias bets 65K. Maybe he was thinking 65%, but then he, like, messed that up, and maybe. he put 65K out instead of 65%. Maybe, or maybe he's trying to put a little chum in the water for Scott to jam case, on the In case straws. he's got some, like junky clubs that can't really call or continue against a bigger bet. Yeah, where it's like, are you really going to call again? Now you get there yeah. one every five times. It sort of sucks. The implied odds aren't there. But if you jam, that works sometimes. Yeah. And Tobias bets small enough that maybe Tobias chooses the sizing because he does have a lot of bluffs here. So he can bet small. He wants to bet smaller if he's got bluffs. A yeah, lot of bluffs. I mean, that's, that's fair. It's interesting. Um, but my inclination would definitely be to bet more. Now, this is before people were really betting bigger on the turn. Yeah. So maybe it's a little unfair to hold uh, Rankemeyer to the standard that we're sort of like, well, yeah, we want to bet more. But mm-hmm. like back then, I don't know if anyone was doing that. People right. were probably betting still pretty, like, sizing like this on the turn, right? Probably. Okay, so you're Scott Seaver. 65000 has been bet. The pot now has, like, 220 k You can't it. fold. You can't, right? You, I mean, you paired the 10, you can't fold. Right. It's only four blinds. Yeah. You just, and we, why would we, jamming doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense either, right? I mean, we're trying to fold out nut clubs or something. Would they fold? I don't think they can fold anyway. Actually, it's okay if they call too. Yeah, actually, we like them calling. We prefer them to call. Um, I guess, but it's fine if they want to fold. But yeah, nut clubs, that's like it, right? Yeah. So like, whatever. Yeah, I think you just got to call and reevaluate. I mean, king, queen of clubs, but whatever. It's all the same. Uh, yeah, I think calling just seems to make a lot of sense here. Seaver agrees, he calls. Okay. Here we go. There's 288K in the pot. The river is the ace of clubs. That's a weird card, Grant. That's a wet card. That brings the flush in. Now, no one has a flush, but that sure brings it in. It also brings in the straight. It also brings in the straight. That would be king-queen. Tobias can absolutely have king-queen here. Yep. Seaver can't really unless it's no. of clubs, which is unlikely. Even if clubs, is he really going to play it like this? Right, I'm saying like he's either going to check raise the flop or check jam the turn. Yeah, or raise pre. Yeah, even just jam pre. Right. Um, it just seems like impossible for Scott to really be able to show up with king queen and at Tobias all. Tobias knows that he can't have it, of yes. course, because Tobias has the queen of clubs in his hand. Oh yeah, that's right. So, but but even just king queen in general, now he blocks king queen anyway. But like you just would think Seaver can almost never have that. Yeah. So that that's good for Tobias. So the ace of clubs not a great card for Tobias. Tobias probably. Hoping for a quick check, check here, but Seaver's not yeah. going to let him do that. Grant, this is the hit. this is the move. This is the reason it's a breakdown hand, right? Yeah, Seaver moves in, 150k effective. Yes. Oh shit! I took your job. Yep. You couldn't help yourself. It's okay. Uh, it just felt so natural. I understand. I was. I watched you do it. Uh, 288k in the pot. So yeah, Seaver just moves in. It's for Tobias's stack, of course. Seaver's got him covered, but it's 150,000, so about half pot. Seaver's got 455 total when he moves in. Okay. So. If Tobias calls, they're going to just change places in terms of this, the tournament situation. Yeah. What the hell are you supposed to... First of all, actually, before we get to Tobias, what yeah. are you supposed to do? Let's talk about Seaver moving in here. What do you think? It feels random to me. I, yeah. like, that's what I've been saying the whole time, or what I was saying the whole time we were watching it was, why is Scott doing this? It feels like the reason to do this is because you want to do it. And there's no reason beyond that. There's no combinatorial reason. You don't block anything relevant. I mean, you block eight, nine, but does that really matter? I don't think that really matters. I don't think that's going to be a huge part of Tobias's range. So I'm not really sure why Scott's doing this. I mean, I know that he thinks he can't win with, yeah. with, with checking. Uh, like he, he thinks it's very unlikely that he's ahead. 
When the ace comes, specifically. Yeah. It's yeah. very hard for him to be ahead. Yeah. So, okay, that makes plenty of sense. And maybe this is an era thing where even the best in the world, like Scott Siever, were not yet really thinking about only making these moves when they feel like the only way to win when you have the right combos for it. And he doesn't right. have a combo that makes any sense to do this with. Right. He doesn't have a club in his hand, for yeah. example. Um, like, if he had the nine of clubs, it would already feel like it makes more sense. If right? he especially had the king or queen of clubs, those are the best. Well, that would be great. But, yeah. But even with 10-9, like, he doesn't have the right 10-9 yeah. to do it with, it seems, yeah. right? Um, okay. But let's look at it. Here, here's another side of it. And I wonder if the sizing of, that Tobias chooses on the turn actually helps inform Scott here. Mm. I wonder if Scott thinks that if Tobias has a big draw like king-queen, which just made a straight, like clubs, he's going to bet more to commit himself to the pot. Um, so that way, if he gets jammed on, he's not going to be in a weird spot. Yeah. Now, maybe he just calls anyway. Maybe if he's got king queen, he's like, I'm just bet calling. But I don't know if Tobias wants to call it off with king high with one card to come. You know, when he still has, what does he have, 150K? Almost, he still has nine blinds, you know? I don't know. He's put in half a stack, but he still has half a stack. Um, so maybe Scott just thinks, like, if Tobias had a big draw, he's just going to bet more on the turn. So that way, if he gets jammed on, he's got an easy decision. That... Okay, that, that's getting my wheels turning because if you cool. pair that with a theory that I just came up with, then you can come up to a, a okay. reasonable conclusion, which is that the times that Scott is winning on the turn, um, or sorry, let me start this again. I think I, I think I messed up the beginning okay. of this. But the aces that are in Tobias's range that aren't paired with something else on the board are probably not going to bet the turn unless they're ace-x of clubs. I strongly agree. So it's not, he doesn't have too many rivered top pairs. Uh, that right. didn't already have a pair. Right. Right. So that means that his value that was on the turn already value is mostly jack nine and better, and like which includes jack nine, jack queen, jack king. And then uh, he's got queens and kings as well. I would think if Tobias can have any lone aces, it's like ace eight and ace nine specifically because he picked up a gutter. On yeah, maybe turn. that. But that's a hand we could potentially fold out. Right. So he's targeting that range, I think. Yeah. The problem with all of this is that there's no reason to really believe that Tobias can't have a flush or a straight. I mean, you have to be pretty sure about that sizing thing, like yeah. I said. Otherwise, yeah. It, like, Tobias bets the turn with value. Okay, yeah, he can have a jack, but sure, he can have a, all these. He can have overpairs, like he does. Now, an overpair is mostly in trouble here unless he has aces. Yeah. So that's good. But it's weird to target queens and kings, right? That feels like what he's targeting. He's targeting a jack, queens, or kings. Yeah, mostly obviously. a jack, but mostly a jack, right? Well, but they're all, they're all the same, really. Well, they're all the same, but there's a lot more jacks, right? Yes. That's all. Yes, but, um, but Tobias should react similarly with them all. I agree, for sure. They're all, in that way, they're all the same. Uh, and like the only jack that, that is going to call us now is probably ace-jack, right? Yeah. And like you said, because it's the ace of clubs on the river, we don't have to worry about very many like ace-kings out there or right. something like that with, you know... Because ace, because that's just it's just not check that back almost not, always. He's not going to bet the turn with that. Yeah. Most he likely. might not even bet the flop with that, but he's yeah. certainly not betting the turn, right? We or almost ever. Of course, he might, but it's it feels very unlikely. Yeah, he's usually going to bet with with some equity. I don't think that like it's such a specific plan. It, it maybe there is a sizing thing. Maybe yeah. you hit on it, like because that would feel so amateurish for a guy like Tobias to have a sizing thing that Seaver can pick up on. It's twenty thirteen though. It's possible. But that's the only way to justify this play is to say, like, okay, that sizing on the turn means that Tobias does not have a draw that then right. got there on the river. That means I can squarely put him in the jack, queens, or kings range. Or a few, a, a few lone aces. Which I'm losing to, but will consider folding to this shove. Yes. So, of course, Scott does shove. Here's Tobias now. He's got two queens, including the queen of clubs. He has one of the two best bluff-catching hands that he mostly shows up with here. Kings Ex and queens with the club. Except that Scott can't have king-queen anyway. And True. probably can't have clubs anyway. Okay. That's, that's the thing. So we block the stuff, and yet... Does Scott ever have the... He has Scott to be able to have clubs, or else he can't make this move. Okay. But usually he's going to raise clubs on the turn, right, when, when Tobias bets 65. You would think... But I, maybe I not. Mean, maybe, maybe because he knows, like, well, Tobias always has a made hand when he has a hand. Seaver's almost certainly saying he has clubs when he moves in, right? Feels like it. I mean, he could, have, he could be saying I have king-queen. I guess he could be saying I have aces up. Yeah. Um, and what the hell? I might as well move in because I don't want you to check it back. Right. Ace-7. Yeah, ace-7. I guess ace-4. Sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. His, ace story, his story is not perfect, the Scott Seaver story here. 
Which, is, which should lead Tobias to consider calling with his hand. I know the blocker may not be as relevant as it often is, but it's still, you know, in the off chance that we're wrong about what Seaver's going to yes. do with certain hands, you might as well have that blocker. I mean, the queen of clubs is a massively key card here, right? And the other queen doesn't suck either, like you're saying. Um, Tobias does consider it. He tanks for yeah. a bit here. He really, like, looks at Scott and thinks about it, which I'm a... I mean, I agree with everything we're saying now that we're here, but as I was watching it on the video before we uh, started this, I was surprised he even tanked. I was like, of course he's going to fold. Like, this is just not the hand you want to have here, right? Like, even though you block the stuff, it, we're not really block... I mean, you're right, though. Scott, Scott is claiming he has clubs. It he has feels, to be. feels like he's claiming that when he decides to move in. I think maybe he could also have the aces up hands. Yeah. Like, it makes sense for... It, it, without examining it too much, it makes sense for him to be worried that Rankemeyer would check back a hand like ace-king or ace-queen on the river mm-hmm. and try to get value from those hands. Oh, but yeah, he would. But then you'd have to have Rankemeyer bet the flop and the turn with those hands, which you don't really necessarily think he's going to. And do we actually... Let's say we have ace-seven here, and Toby's got ace-king. Yeah. Do we actually get called more often by shoving? Do we make more chips by shoving or by checking and letting him decide, like, oh, I probably have the best hand and, and going for thin value? I, I don't know. I don't know that necessarily shoving is better. Is he going to call with ace-king? I don't know. I don't know either. If he got ace-king with the king of clubs, he's going to call. Um, is he going to call ace-king with the king of hearts? Maybe. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's why Scott made the move. He's like, even if he has ace-king, he's going to fold. I mean, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Right? Again, he probably doesn't think he has ace-king very often. No, he doesn't. Because he bet the turn. But he bet tiny on the turn, so maybe he has more of that stuff. I don't know. This is a strange hand. Tobias ultimately does fold. Yeah. Not surprisingly. Not surprisingly, but... I, I, I think, I, I don't really think we figured out the Seaver move here. I don't think so either, unless that sizing thing really was a tell. Yeah. And then it makes more sense to me. Like, it doesn't matter what I have. You can't have these hands. You're, you're kind of screwed. And I know you care about the money more than I do. What are you going to do? Yep. Like, although he only, Tobias only has nine blinds left. He could really be like, fuck it. I've been like that. I've been like, I've already put him at half my stack, man. I'm not folding. And, like, sometimes that works out really well. Sometimes it does Would have here. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that's not a great reason to call. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. It is a strange hand. And uh, it would be nice to see what the solver has to say, which, uh, to your credit, it's tough. You're juggling a lot of things. But you I forgot. not even mention You forgot to tease the solver. Not even once. Wesley Cannon is our solver. And we're about to take a break. Check it all out. Come back. And we don't know what he said yet. We're going to report to you what the solver thinks everyone should be doing on this. <laughs> Oh, to solve 2013. What a year. What a year to solve. What a tangle what we, is that what when, we weave is when, that when we, we were, solve to deceive. Is that, yeah. Is that <laughs> when we were introduced to Adele and Her Majesty? I'm sure it was. 2013. What a year. Okay. What a year for Scott Seaver getting these bluffs through, but should it have worked, Jonathan? That's what Wesley Cannon tried to divine for us. Ooh, with his magical his, solver powers. Uh, more entrails and bones than that, oh. but you know how it That's works fine. with I'm the solvers. Te- we don't ask Wesley and Danny <laughs> the solver methods because right. of ethical dilemmas that could come up later. Really? Know? Oh, you mean like if if they if if, if for the example if the authorities were to ask us <laughs> hypothetically if there was did, a human how did, sacrifice? How did Wesley solve this hand between Tobias Rankemeyer <laughs> and Scott Seaver? It would be great if I didn't have to say, <laughs> under penalty of perjury, yeah. that it was through the killing of many people. Yes, or even one. Yeah. Even one person might be problematic yeah. with the, the authorities. So luckily, we don't actually know. But yeah. we have our guesses, and they include things that have already been mentioned. Anyway, here we go. What does this solver want to do? On the flop, Wesley did give Tobias the option to bet bigger so that he could jam the turn. Yeah. Uh, and the solver did prefer that. I get that, logically. Yeah. I, I assume the solver would then want Seaver to fold... Uh, but it does want him to call for this size, which we were a bit questioning that yeah. Seaver called. We were just wondering because of the uh, the implied odds in terms of how big Toby's stack size was. But the solver says, it's fine. Yeah. So, all right. Solver says, okay. Interesting. It's okay. It, it also wants him to raise if he has a club, not even two clubs, but a club is enough for Seaver to raise. Hmm. Just because it blocks some of Toby's continues. Yeah. Right. Probably yeah. so. Um, on the turn, I wrote one thing for the solver. Wesley wrote a lot more, but I wrote, they did it right. Which, yeah. Seems, Not surprising. Seems to make plenty of sense. You know, with a pair, how can you fold if receiver? It, with Rankemeyer's stack, it doesn't feel reasonable to check back at this point. It, it all seems good to me. If you want to see more about what Wesley said, check out the Discord. He's going to put his full right up there. He sure is, because that's what he does. Yeah, along with other things. <laughs> Photos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, the entrails. Yeah, that's all what right. I'm talking about. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Okay. And the avocados. 
the the solver does not like Seaver's jam on the river. No, which is not a huge surprise. Like we didn't. Like I mean, we said, there's no real reason to choose this hand to shove with. Right. Why? It seems odd. It's just about what he expects Rankemeyer to have. But that seems like it could still include a lot of hands that can call. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Toby absolutely can have king queen. Of course, he can have clubs. He can have aces up. He can have sets. He can have all the things, right? Yes, he can. Um, so should he call, though, with this right. hand, with his queens? He does have the queen of clubs, too. I mean, it's kind of the perfect blocker. So unsurprisingly, in solver world, the answer is yes, you're supposed to call. Yeah. I mean, I completely give Toby credit anyway. Like, sure, you're supposed to call. And I can see now how even someone like, say, you or me, might be sitting in a tournament setting or a cash game setting and decide to call with this hand in this spot because we know so much. But in 2013, I don't know how you can do anything but fold if you don't know all the things we know now about blockers. There's no way Tobias knew about all that stuff back then. No, I mean, he's Can't German. He's German. It. They don't have blockers. <laughs> they barely have words. Yeah. They just have bratwurst. Uh, mm. It's pretty good. It can be good. It's very good. Depending Some cream on... cheese and a pickle in that thing. Sure, why not? Anyway, <laughs> that's the solver. Nice. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the crown. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make.